0: Welcome into to another edition of the Jungle Juice Podcast. It's Sam Gormley and Mick Nelson with you. Mick, uh, good Wednesday evening. It's it's getting a little chilly out there. I'm not, I'm not ready for that.
1: Happy Wednesday. Yeah, it, it, it heated up a little bit more in the Cincy area today. It was up to like the 40s, so that's acceptable. But past two days, they've been in the 20s, high high 10s, high teens. Yeah, I don't like it when
0: I, I mean, the best part about in the in the summer is waking up and not having to scrape off your car. And like this morning, it was one of those things. Luckily, I have remote start, so I can remote start my car and it at least begins the process. But it's not fun having to get out there when it's, you know, 20 degrees and you're, you know, you're bundled up and you're trying to get to work and you're sitting there with your ice scraper trying to scrape off the the excess ice. But that's the end of my rant because it's not a podcast about ice scraping. It's a podcast you know, about
1: the Bengals, right? I wouldn't know your problems. I've got a garage space down here, so yes. But right. you
0: have a you 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 are married, so do you not let your do you not scrape off your wife's car like a uh, nice
1: husband does? Um, I'm gonna plead the fifth on that one. <laughs> I'm usually sleeping by the time she's uh, leaving. So, wow. I know husband
0: of the year right there. Husband of the year for you. I offered
1: her to give her the parking space in the garage, but where it's at in the, uh, in the building, she doesn't like where it's at. It's like in the, uh, it's in the back corner of the garage and it's like a shared space. And then there's like big concrete pillars around every space. And uh, she scraped her car once and she was like, I'm not parking there ever again. So I have been in there before. It is a little scary. In your garage. Yeah, right? No, no, yeah.
0: no, it's not. Uh, coming up on the show for today, we've got a big show as we welcome everyone into the Jungle Jews podcast. Uh, we're going to break down the Steelers game. We're going to ask a lot of questions about Jake Browning's performance, um, about the defense and the struggles that have happened over the last couple of weeks. We're going to talk a little Zach Taylor, a lot of information and a lot that's been talked about with him over these last couple of weeks. We're going to dive into the Jaguars game as well, coming up on Monday night football in good old Jacksonville, Florida. It's another white Bengal night. We'll have our picks and so on. We want to make sure that uh, we ask you to follow us on our social media channels. You can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform. You can watch it us on our Facebook page, on our YouTube channel, subscribe there. And also we're streaming live on our good friend, Josh Isles over WDN today. So make sure you follow him as well with that. Uh, but Mick, uh, I think to start off with to hit up some of the news for, from the week. Um and really it's it's surrounding Joe Burrow because you know we're contractually obligated hosting a Bengals podcast to give Joe Burrow updates. I love that we've gone from contract or contract to or I guess it was contract and calf to just the calf to he's playing well, is he playing like an MVP level and now we're on to injury injury injury. So it just continues to have something going on, but we have to talk at least something about him. And it was that he had a surgery on Monday and it was deemed a success, which
1: is music to our ears. Very good. Good job. Surgery team over at wherever in the heck he got a surgery at. I have no idea where it where it happened. I, but.
0: I did find it interesting that I read that it, I think it might have been in the Bengals statement or it was someone else or maybe it was Ian Rappaport or one of the guys said he had an afternoon surgery. Which I was kind of like that's interesting because, as Mick we were talking i think I think it was you that was saying how you know when you go into surgery, you can't usually can't eat, you're really not supposed to drink, so you'd think Joe Burrow would be the kind of guy that would want like the seven a m surgery so he could get it done, and let's be real, if there's one man that can can has those strings to pull and would get the seven a m surgery, it would be Joe Burrow, but instead he has it in the afternoon. I don't know, does that mean anything of of course not, but i I did just find that at least somewhat interesting
1: i i I kind of um I kind of agree with the way you kind of, you went about it because like, for me, I'd have more problems. Like I I'm typically eating during like later in the day. So like if it's a 12 hour window, it's kind of, I would think it's better just because your 12 hour window starts at three in the morning and then you just don't have to eat anything until you're done with your surgery or whatever. I feel like that'd be easier to pull off than not eating from like. 7 p.m. until you go to bed right like i don't know but yeah it is odd that it, that it's an afternoon surgery and again i i don't know it, it doesn't mean
0: anything of course not uh the other big news of the week came on i think it was monday as well the bengals came out and they apparently gave the nfl hours upon hours of footage that apparently proves that joe burrow was not hurt prior to which i know mick we talked about at length Over these last couple of weeks, we've talked about it multiple times. I think that whole story is a bunch, is a load of bull. Um, I I don't blame the NFL for checking it because you got to check it. But I, and then also, like I've said too, is how can you prove really either side, you know, like, but really, how can you prove that he was hurt beforehand unless he's walking around the facility in a sling
1: or, or,
0: or something? But apparently, all of this just showed him practicing normally. So
1: I think it's a story much ado about nothing. I hope they sent the footage to Dave Portnoy as well, just to show how much of a jackass he was being. Yeah. Oh, I don't to say that word, right? I'm going to say mean, it anyways. Yeah, but, I
0: mean, you, you said, am I allowed to say that word after you've already said it? And I I don't yeah. have a bleep button, nor do we have uh, an opportunity to dump it. So, yeah, who Nathan's cares? It's too
1: late now. Anyways, um, yeah, I hope, you, I hope they sent the footage to Portnoy We've said this from the beginning we, we we don't think the organization was doing anything malicious with the you know in regards to the sprained wrist or, or not the sprained wrist but the uh, the wristband the the uh, the brace he was wearing um, and yeah I mean we, we, we pretty much believed everything that they were saying. Uh, you know there's been a lot of fan backlash too on this, you know, I've, I, I can't tell you how many posts I've seen on the who nation page where, you know, they're, they're just, you know, they think the Bengals ownership just has such bad intent with the stuff. And, and like you said, they, they never really had, they, they, they wouldn't have a, a single reason to not disclose the injury. If, you know, if there actually was one, I mean, that provided no, that would have provided no benefit to them. So I'm glad they sent the footage and probably the easiest investigation the nfl has ever had to do
0: you would imagine so and i'm glad like you said it's done it's over and hopefully we don't have to listen to it much of any more and we can move on to him starting to beginning his rehab and be ready for otas or training camp or whatever it is and if anything just wrap the man in bubble wrap and tell him we'll see a week one (laughs) wherever that might be i think more than likely it'll be at home this coming, you know, in 2024, but just like whatever it takes to make sure you are fully healthy, having a good training camp, play whatever preseason you want, and we'll see you week one, because that's the most important thing to have a 100% healthy Joe Burrow on week one of the brand new season in 2024, because expectations will obviously be extremely high.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, really, that's most of the news per se from the week. Uh except for the game on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers, in which Cincinnati Bengals lost 16 to 10. It was not a fun football game to watch, but yet wildly enough, Mick was not the worst game of the weekend. As far as watching bad football as Monday night football probably takes the cake on (laughs) that for for bears Vikings, but it was, it was ugly. And, And, and I, you know, we we hear a lot of Steeler fans talking about it. You know, they won, and don't get me wrong, they did win the game and so on. But
1: it was just ugly on both sides. Yeah, rain game. I bet that had a little bit of a factor to do with it. Neither. I mean, the, the Steelers' offense had no problems moving the ball. They just had issues uh, scoring. You know, there was uh there was a either one or two red zone you know turnovers on the Steelers' offense that the Bengals forced. um, And they just couldn't get in the end zone other than the Najee touchdown. So, you know, the Bengals did a a good job of playing their game on defense. You know, they'll just give up a ton of yardage. And, uh, you know, the opposing offense doesn't really have much to show for it. Um, But, yeah, ugly game on the offense for sure. Um, Jake Browning getting some jake browning conversation here yeah because i think you're a lot harder on
0: jake browning from what we were talking about before we came on than i think is necessarily deserved in my eyes
1: so i don't think jake browning had the had a very good game looking back at it um we kind of noted there there's one thing that joe burrow obviously well there's multiple things but there's one thing that joe burrow has a clear advantage over jake browning it's uh pre-snap reads and, and getting the ball out quickly. You saw Jake kind of holding on to the ball a decent amount. Now the stat line, uh, the basic stat line looks fine. What, 22 of 28 or whatever two two 220 passing t- yards. Uh, touchdown and interception somewhere around that stat line. That looks pretty good, but he had other than the interception, he had two plays that should have been picked off that Joe, not Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase. Chase, you know, just pulls a Houdini or pulls a rabbit out of his hat, out of his hat, and uh, you know, it, it's a batted ball, but he ends up catching it, and in both catches went for pretty good yardage. But, um, it just wasn't a very good game for Browning. I wasn't expecting much out of him in the first place. I would say that the game was probably as expected. So.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I think Tim says a good point here. You know, Jake's not Joe. I
1: mean, oh know, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. There,
1: there there's no question there's about no that. If to you, say about it, I agree. There's. Yeah, yeah.
0: If you, if you wondered why the Bengals play paid Joe Burrow two hundred and seventy-five million dollars, just watch Sunday.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There you go. There's your example because I think, without question, Joe Burrow plays that game. The Cincinnati Bengals win. I, I 100% believe that, that they will win that football game because he would make more throws and so on and would have a little bit better of the pocket presence that I think Jake Browning gave up some more sacks than normal. But I think really when you look at it is that Jake Browning, that one huge mistake he made, you know, the the interception. He doesn't make that, and I know we could you know, if ifs or fists and all of that. Bengals might win the football game, and I think we're looking at this performance a whole lot differently, especially if he would have thrown for another touchdown and he would have gone for 240 and two touchdowns. I feel like fans would have felt a lot different, but obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, and he did throw the interception, which has to be counted in. That's why I think I don't know that he played necessarily bad. I think, you know, we usually do the good, the bad, and the ugly. I feel like he would be in that mid-tier, but I don't think it was necessarily ugly. And then also, you got to think that the man has played a game and a half of football and arguably played two of the better defenses. You know, the Steelers' defense is not quite as good as the Ravens, but it's still a very good pass rush. You know, with TJ Watt and then Highsmith on the other side, and the interior held up pretty well against the, you know, Ogon, Joby, and Hayward. Mm-hmm. But, but still, you're going up against a good defensive line, um, decent corners. You know, Joey Porter had a pretty decent game. And that's why I, I'm okay with
1: the way Jake Browning played. Yeah. I mean, I he didn't disappoint me. I didn't think he was all that great, but I mean, I don't know. Kept the, you know, kept the team in the game. It's not like he made uh, too many crucial mistakes, but it's, I don't know. Offense couldn't get it going. Run offense was uh, putrid really bad. Yeah.
0: I think we can go that there.
1: It, Let's start with is, that. That
0: was And I mean, it, it wasn't a ton of attempts, but my philosophy is, is what Joe Mixon eight attempts for sixteen yards, or eight attempts for or nine attempts for eighteen yards, or it was it was putrid. I, I think is the only word to describe what it was. And and regardless, it doesn't matter really if it's eight for sixteen or nine for eighteen. Both
1: of those are awful. Uh, it, it, and it shows me it's a it's a bad game from Joe in particular because if you look at the uh if you look at the run blocking grades other than jonah everybody on the offensive line graded fairly well uh 60 68 and above um now jonah was tasked with TJ watt tJ watt is pretty pretty good at football so you know he had a tough assignment there but the fact that everybody in the line or four fifths in the line was Fairly good in run blocking is telling me that Joe Mixon was having a problem seeing the right holes and in, in in doing what he could do to uh, to take some of the weight off of Browning's shoulders. There, I see this comment a lot too from fans after the
0: game. Um, and Tim, I'm not trying to pick on you by any means because you are a large group of fans feel this way. Didn't help. We ran the ball eight freaking times, is what Tim says. Writing in, uh, thanks for the comment though, Tim. We we do appreciate it. Yeah. I here, here's my philosophy with it is it's like. It wasn't working. Yeah. And and, and it's not like it was one of those things that you were seeing. Oh, he's just like, I I think you think back to that. And it just always comes to my mind. The Raiders game in 2021, where it was clear, they kept running it, weren't having a lot of success, but you could tell it was just one of those things that it was going to work at some point, mm -hmm. but I didn't watch that game and feel like, man, Joe Mixon is, is one cut away from breaking it. It just was not working. Now, is that all on Mixon? I don't think we can put it all on Mixon. I know you mentioned that PFF graded the Bengals' offensive line pretty decent in run blocking. Now, part of that can probably be put in that it was a small sample size. Yeah, you know, no, in, in no, those only true. only those eight attempts. But that's why I just think like now was Jake Browning, you know, throwing dimes all over the field and you know, dicing up the Steelers' defense. No, of course not. But I think that the pass was having more success than those eight attempts for Joe Mixon. That's at least my philosophy when it comes to that.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm kind of torn on it because you, you bring up that Raiders game. Like, maybe if the Bengals focused on running the ball a little more. They would have actually, like, you know, they would have broken a few runs out or whatever, you know, or mixing would have uh, started finding holes and hitting them hard, you know, the the way that we've seen them hit earlier in the year. So, I'm kind of torn on it, especially with the situation at quarterback. I feel like you try, you got to try to put as much pressure off of him as you can, and you know, they, they said they were going to run the the same game plan as they do for Joe Burrow, and it looks like they pretty much tried to do that. But, you know, everybody knows Jake Browning's not Joe as, Burrow. As Tim said, Jake, yeah, is, not Jake is not Joe. not <laughs> Joe. So the fact that, you know, they're trying to use the same game plan, I, I, that's, that's on Zach for him to figure out What's going to give my offense the best chance of success? And if you think making Jake Browning throw for seventy-five percent of the snaps that the offense has is going to give you success, I, I I just don't know where 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 I don't see any logic in that. Now, one of the things that if you have a
0: backup quarterback in the game that you're wanting to rely more on is your defense, and yeah. the defense. You know, I think it was, what, 56 straight games the Steelers hadn't had 400 yards of offense. It was something like that, and they broke that with Kenny freaking Pickett on on Sunday. That, to me, is, is the concerning part. And I get this, the whole bend and don't break. Yes, they gave up only 16 points, and in the long run, that's all that matters. And yes, there is some truth to that. But there were some moments in that game that, you know, getting that stop on third down would have given Jake Browning the ball back, maybe giving him some good field position, Mm -hmm. and you never really know what could have happened. So I think I just wanted to dive into a, a deeper conversation here from this game on this aspect, because I think it can tie in really well with the Steelers game on the defensive struggles. And because I think, you know, we, we asked the question here about, you know, is this a long-term issue for the Bengals? And how long term are we talking long-term? I I mean, I think long-term means beyond this season is because I mean, you're seeing some issues in here that I I, I don't know. I, I just like, I, I mean, is it a concern for the rest of the season without question? Without question, I think it is a concern for the rest of the season. But then you also look and and you're like, okay, so how is it going to get better next year?
1: Yeah, so I get the question and I get the concern of a lot of people. I think it will get better. I think that from 2020 to – actually, when did did Vaughn come to the team, 2019 or 2020? I think it was 20. I think it was a three-year deal he signed.
0: In fact, yes, it was 20 because he signed on my birthday, I remember. March the 25th of 2020 because I was broadcasting a funeral when it happened. Happy birthday. That's (laughs) the story for another
1: day. You know, 21 and 22, you had a starting safety duo that had a good amount of report from their season in 2020. Both players were... In the league for a decent amount of time, you know, what, five, you know, four or five year, uh, years of experience and both of them leave in the off season. And, you know, you've had some attrition back there with Nick Scott playing the way he's played and eventually getting benched. And you've got this very young safety duo that hasn't had much playing experience together in regular regular season NFL you know game time they've just now became a starting duo at safety with Battle and Hill uh Battle actually played pretty decent i i think yeah, i think he's been a good young young spark on the offense but you're dealing with two new safeties and if i remember was Jesse the Green Dot when he was here no, I think it's always been Logan it's been Logan Wilson. Has it Logan. always been Logan? I thought Jesse I'm, I'm was I'm pretty green sure I'm pretty point. sure it's been Logan Wilson. Maybe Jesse was kind of the green dot for the secondary if I had to guess because I think the secondary they kind of do they somewhat do their own thing. Not saying they don't, you know, listen to whatever Logan's doing or whatever, but I think Jesse has some had some, you know, say in what the coverage was how the coverage was going to go you know, on any given place. So you're losing that, you lost that veteran leadership in Jesse Bates. Um, and you can tell the linebacking coverage has suffered from it too. Pratt, who's been, Jermaine Pratt, who's usually been one of the better cover linebackers in the league, has been getting torched, you, you know, all year this year, especially from opposing tight ends when, you know, it seems like they're just, you know, the linebackers are playing too far up and the safeties are playing too far back, or Mike Hilton's playing too far back. And you're just hitting dimes to Fryer, not even dimes, just wide open 20-yard passes to Fryermuth move for the entire game, or Dalton Schultz, or or George Kittle, or whoever. So yeah, I, I'm kind of torn because I think it'll get better because I think the safety duo is young, and there's a lot of room for improvement, and I think they can get there. But also, I'm starting to wonder if Lou's scheme is somewhat getting exploited a little bit or if he's playing too soft of zone coverage and they need to start incorporating some more man to man or incorporating more blitzes and and more stunts. I'm just not, I'm torn. I think it'll get better, but I just think this year is just, we kind of said there might be some growing pains, right? You know, with, with some of the turnover, so... I think, uh, yeah.
0: you know, Tim brings up this point. He says, the defense is on the field for 37 minutes. What do you all think is going to happen? And and listen, I, I don't I disagree with that. I agree I with don't that, 100%. Disc- but, but, at the same time, who deserves some of the blame for being on the field for 37 minutes? Now, yes, the offense does, but that's the defense as well. I, I, if, if I was good at my job, I would have pulled up the Steelers' third down percentage on Sunday... But I'm sure it was really high because the third down defense for the Bengals on Sunday was atrocious. Uh, So a lot of that goes towards that's on you, defense, because, you know, third down turns into fourth down and you're giving the ball over. So, I I mean, that's one of those stats that you got to see both sides on it that I think, you know, blame goes to the offense. But it's not like the defense is blameless when it comes into that.
1: Yeah. And then one thing just in terms of a lack of cohesion amongst Zach as the head coach and lose the defense, it's like, or as a a defensive coordinator is that on the offense, I can't tell you how many times we've had fourth and four and they've gone for it a few times. There's been a lot of times where they've had it, let's say fourth and four or less in between the forties and they're taking a delay of game penalty and you know, they're going to play the field position game with the punt, but you're, the field position game doesn't work if you're giving up chunk plays down the field and yeah maybe the opposing offense isn't scoring but you're just flipping field position they're just going to flip field position the other way and then you're just back with bad field position potentially on offense so like i i don't know i i kind of i've kind of took a note of that today i'm just like where what's the overall game plan here because if you're but don't break, but you're sacrificing, sacrificing field position. And then you're not going for it on fourth down when it's short distance and you're at a good field position in order to do so. I just, I just don't get it. I have some stats. Okay. You
0: want some, you want some Bengals defense stats here. These aren't really no particular order. Some of them are positive towards the defense and some of them are negative, including one or two that, that kind of surprised me. Um, Teams this year are scoring on 38.5% of the drives against the Bengals' defense. It's the seventh worst in the NFL. Okay. At the same time, the Bengals rank fourth in turnover percentage. So that's percentage of drives that end in a turnover. So you're seeing like two completely different ends of the spectrum when it comes to that. The quarter, qu- This is an interesting stat for you. Quarterback knockdown percentage. So this is on a drop back where the ball is thrown. Percentage of times, the quarterback ends up on his backside. Bengals, 11.4%. That ranks, I'm going to, do you have a guess where that ranks in the league? 11.4%. Bottom half. That's second. That oh,
1: was that really second Tra- in the league.
0: Trailing only Cleveland, who... I think an argument could be made might have the best pass rusher in the NFL with with the best pass rusher in the NFL and Miles Garrett on one side. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we can argue that. I mean, well, I guess you could maybe make an argument for Micah Parsons, but I think Miles Garrett, hey, if you ta- if you ask me, I could have one defender on the Bengals. I think I'd take Miles Garrett
1: just because mm-hmm. he, he is. Oh, I'd A-L- take Miles Garrett in a heartbeat. That guy's awesome.
0: Here's an interesting stat for you, Mick, because it's been something that we've talked a lot about as being one of the main reasons as to why the defense has struggled so much. And it's been missed tackles. Oh, yeah.
1: Where do you think the the Bengals rank in the NFL in missed tackles? Uh, They've got to be, like, bottom five. tied for eighth fewest. Really? Well...
0: And, and that for me, wow. I, that was one of those stats that was like, what, how, how is that? Act? Like, and, and I mean, it came from a valuable source. So it, it it's accurate when it comes to that. And then I got two more here for you. And these are, uh, we'll go this one. Well, we'll start here. Third down defense. That's what I talked about here just a few minutes ago. 44.2% of the time, opposing teams are converting on third downs. That's fifth worst in the NFL, fifth worst in that category. On the other side, in stats that don't make sense, the Bengals' fourth down defense is the best in the NFL. They're allowing only two out of every eight conversions on fourth down. Now, that can be a little misleading because eight is, I think it's the third fewest attempts on fourth down. Mm-hmm. But that—that's just kind of one of those weird because you're thinking fourth down is usually short yardage situations, like you touched on a few minutes ago. You know, usually it's fourth and four and la- or less. Bengals two for eight the defense. That's that's twenty five percent is almost ten percentage points ahead of the next highest. And then I got one more stat for you here on the Bengals defense, and this is kind of leading towards that bend but don't break philosophy. The Bengals defense is third worst in yards per drive and that is your epitome of bend but don't break now yes, these stats i i think and i i think tim actually brings up a good point is i think this defense statistically is kind of in a twilight zone because you see a lot of good you see a lot of bad and yet they've put out so inconsistent long term
1: This tells me everything that I've been saying the past three months. It's kind of confirming that the issues are in coverage. And I think the issues are in the middle of the field. It goes back to the, it goes back to the safety duo, right? You're, you're saying, oh, they, they are number two in pass, pass rush, uh, QB knockdowns. Well, pass rush is getting home. That's not a problem. But that's also a little bit
0: of a mis... And that's where I, I kind of wanted to go. In fact, I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to loop back to that is I can't tell whether that's a good percentage or a bad percentage because QB knockdown can be a good thing, but it also can tell me that the Bengals are just a little bit late in getting to the quarterback on getting the set. Oh, I,
1: I, so I, I agree with that. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's wrong. They're either late or the coverage just giving up an open receiver way too early. It's one of it's one of those two things. Um, but and then yeah, I mean yeah, they're number two in, in QB knockdowns and they're what are they in sacks? They can't be that high in sacks or they a you know, middle so. the road. So okay, so you're seeing a, a you're seeing a variance in ranking there from number two to number sixteen. So yeah, that could say either the coverage is giving up somebody early, or they're not getting the quarterback in time. And I feel like we see that quite a bit with with Bengals pass rushes in recent years. It, it seems like you remember Carl Lawson? He led the league in, in pressures or in, or in tackle or in QB hits or whatever in twenty nineteen, but only had like he didn't have that many sacks that year. Mm-hmm. What seven, maybe eight? He got paid because of it, though. He did. He did get paid be- because of it. I'm not saying he shouldn't have, but, you know, that so that that it either tells me the coverage is is not playing well, which, you know, based off of grading, based off of what I've just seen with my two eyes, especially in the middle of the field with, you know, P- Wilson's been OK, but Pratt's been a mess this year in coverage. Nick Scott, obviously, is probably the worst cover defensive back in the NFL uh, that's <laughs> started. This Tell year. us how you really feel you've got Dax Hill who's been pretty uh he's been pretty hit or miss this year and it's not like he's had one of those elite coming out games that that we've seen from a Jesse Bates um yeah you're just seeing a lot of inexperience and a lack of skill um a lot of a lack of skill that you aren't accustomed to seeing from that position group the past few years and like I said, how much of this is going to be growing pains? How much of it is, do we have a problem? And then who has got to adapt a scheme, too. Sorry to cut you off there. Bob.
0: No, no, no. And then that's kind of what I was exactly going to say, is I think the only people that can answer that question are sitting right now at Paycor Stadium. Yeah. Because I, I, those are the questions that even, you know, th- this season, and, I you know, we've said it here, if we're being completely honest with us, you're pretty much just taking the white flag and you're waving it. You're... This, this team's not winning the Super Bowl. This team, if they make the playoffs, they're going to have to get really lucky to get that. And if they do, they're probably going to be the seventh seed. That's just, you know, we're just being flat out honest. We're taking off our, our, you know, our fan shirt and hat. Does that mean that we're not fans? No, of course not. You know, we of course, it, they're going to struggle as they should. They just lost one of the best players in the NFL as their starting quarterback. And they also have a lot more injuries that we're going to get to here in a few minutes that have started to add up on both sides of the ball as well. But in the offseason, I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, they're going to have to look in the mirror when it comes to this defense because they're going to have some decisions to make on the defense. You know, you've got some contracts coming up. You've got some corners that you could potentially re-sign. You've got some interior defensive linemen that you could potentially re-sign. What are you going to do with the secondary? Are you really going to put all your faith in Jordan Battle and Dax Hill next season? Or are you going to try and bring in a veteran? To join into that room, I don't know. Uh, Those are the questions, and luckily, we've got plenty of months to discuss this. And I know we're going to dedicate pretty much an entire show to to this defense and how, like, like decisions like DJ Reader and Cheeto Bayouzier. For me, I think one decision is I I would lean towards coming back, and I don't think there's with Cheeto just based on this. I don't think there's any scenario where he's back next year.
1: No, I mean. I don't I don't see a reason why he would be back either. I think he drafted DJ Turner this year to kind of be Cheeto's replacement. Um, you know, Cheeto's been a great, you know, he's been a really good solid player for most of his career and he's had some good games this year and then some really awful games. Um, you know, that's kind of what you come to expect coming off uh, a torn ACL from a from a corner. So, yeah, I mean I don't think Cheeto is going to be back. He's also probably in his late 20s or maybe even early 30s and the Bengals don't typically like to extend people that are hitting that age mark for for good reasons. So, especially on defense and skill positions. Yes. Yes. I think they I don't think they'll ever do it again for people that's not Joe Burrow. Just because of how how much of bad luck they had with with the Gino and the, and Carlos Dunlap second extensions, you know, five or six years ago. Absolutely. And Tim, Hey, keep the comments up, man. We, we, we no, appreciate keep, the comments. Absolutely. Yeah, no,
0: no, you're good. Cause I agree. I I think right now on the defense, and we're going to dive into this because frankly, we got more to talk about this week as well Is I think he's the clear one that you're bringing back on the defense. And I think there's a lot of uh, questions when it comes to the other one. I wanted to really quick, Mick, talk because we are running a little bit short on time because we got to talk about the Jaguars game coming up on Monday as well. But we've been seeing it pop up a lot over these last couple of days. The Zach Taylor stat without Joe Burrow, when it's four twenty eight one or, or whatever it
1: is, regardless, I don't think and that's then, even right because they've only had one tie, and that's when Joe Burrow was starting. Yes, you the are Eagles correct. Game. And, so where the out. hell did they get this uh, win loss record? Because that the four's right. Actually, the yeah the four's right. The four is right, but yes. it's definitely not twenty eight. That's that's way too many. That's way too many. You had fourteen in twenty nineteen, and then well, you went two and seven or two and six after Joe Burrow went got hurt. Um, and then and technically he doesn't
0: get he doesn't get a loss in the Baltimore game.
1: Like that, that one technically goes on yeah. Joe Burrow's plate. Yes, it does. So 21, 24 and 21. I mean, it's still not okay. good, but, but still, it's not, not 428 and one. It's, it's not good, but, but here's my thing with it.
0: And, and I know I've made this comment plenty of times and I'm not going to get on my, my high horse and, and rant about it because I've said it enough. Look is, and I think I say this almost every single podcast is Zach Taylor, the greatest coach of all time. Of course not. you know, I mean, he's not. Is he what some people say he is? No, he's not. And I think that that is it, it, it's accurate like like it, it it just drives me crazy, and I think it's almost a lazy excuse for some people to make when they point to it because let's go let's just talk about it this way. okay, the twenty nineteen Bengals, he goes two and fourteen. He had Andy Dalton and old man A.J. Green with an
1: atrocious defense. Oh, he didn't even have A.J. Green that year, by the way. He he had a turf toe injury. Correct. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay, there you go. That's right. Good point. He had that. So he had Andy Dalton and, you know, Ryan Finley as, as starting quarterbacks. And then let's be real. That season gave us Joe Burrow. Okay, mm-hmm. let's go to 2020. Things – you've got a, a rookie quarterback starting to build
1: up. COVID. He Don't gets, forget about COVID either. Yes. That's yeah. Good, good point campers there. Campers.
0: Yeah. So you're, you have a rookie quarterback literally learning on the job. No preseason. He's literally learning on the job. You started to see them start to really figure things out. Bang, ACL. He's out for the season. And you're starting Ryan Finley and Brandon Allen as your starting quarterbacks. And honestly, in a lot of ways, tank, you get Jamar Chase. Okay, 2021, Burrow's healthy the whole year he makes it to the Super Bowl. Great. 2022, Burrow's healthy all year. He's a couple plays away from making it back to the Super Bowl. This year, started off a little slow. Why? Burrow's hurt. Starts to come back in and do that. Now, I know that that can, to some people, they're seeing this as, well yes all this pro goes to Joe Burrow. It should be Joe Burrow's uh, you know gets all of this. And don't get me wrong, he deserves a lot of the credit. But just to say that like it just to me it's just so lazy for people when they just blame it all on Zach Taylor. I I don't know, Mick. I it's just like is he a perfect coach? No. Is he as bad as a lot of people say? Absolutely not. And I think that that stat is a little bit lazy because I know I saw one list of, here's Zach Taylor's record with with uh, uh, without uh, Joe Burrow versus Marvin Lewis's without Andy Dalton and Carson Palmer. Okay. I think you could make an argument that probably Marvin Lewis had better backup quarterbacks in both of those situations. But then at the bottom of that, it had the stat that means the most that Zach Taylor shatters Marvin Lewis. Both of those coaches have coached seven playoff games. Yep. Zach Taylor is 5-2. and two, Marvin Lewis is 0-7 oh as a Cincinnati Bengals coach. And this is not me trying to crap on Marvin Lewis. But that, to me, is the stat that matters the most. Does Joe Burrow get a lot of the credit for that? Yes. But yep. you can't just say it's all on Joe Burrow. I think Zach Taylor deserves a lot of that credit. And I'll get off my hot horse, Nick.
1: Yeah, I mean I'm indifferent on Zach. I think uh I think he's an okay coach. I, I would if, if we're gonna give a credit percentage here, I'd give 70% Joe Burrow, or maybe 60% Joe, 40% Zach, just because of how good Joe Burrow is. Um and yeah, I mean I you've you've heard me have my complaints about Zach. I think he's okay, but I I, I I have, I do have legitimate worries about. In the in the big thing, there's two things I'm worried about with Zach Taylor. Number one is, we have yet to see a decent offensive line in his five year stint here as as the Bengals head coach. You know, you you kind of saw it in the back half of 2022 before Lyell went down, and then Jonah went down, and then Kappa went down. You know, you kind of saw a clip. You you Fight saw a click a yeah. it you saw a click a little bit. You saw it click a little. Hey, we got a playoff win, even with those with all those Two. other guys. Two. Two playoff wins. And so, almost
0: beat the Chiefs with Jackson almost- Carmen.
1: Yeah. So, you know, you, you did see the offensive line like start to click, which was you know, which was refreshing to see. But by all accounts, like the offensive line should have only gotten better you know, with the offseason addition they made with Orlando Brown Jr. And you're keeping Jonah Williams on the line and, you know, all that other stuff. I mean, uh, and you've seen the offensive line do nothing but regress. And
0: and I think that'll be a question that we'll have to, dis- We're I mean, we're going to literally, we almost might take a show in January or February and dedicate it as the offensive line show. And I'd almost love to, because, I mean, Mick, neither one of us would admit to being a, you know, an expert on offensive line play in the NFL. I'd love to get somebody, and we might have to uh, go through and find somebody who, I, I'm just using Willie Anderson as an example. I don't know that we're, we're cool enough to pull Willie Anderson, but I'd love to sit there and talk to somebody who has played offensive line in the NFL to see if they can draw comparisons as to what really is the problem. How much of this goes towards the offensive scheme? How much of this goes towards the fact that maybe Frank Pollock hasn't done a great job? How much of this just goes to the fact that maybe they're just not very good as far as just pure skill level and you can only polish a turd so much? And we probably don't have enough time to dive fully into those questions right now. But those are all of these questions that are going to keep being asked week after week. And I think they get exposed even more when you have a quarterback like Jake Browning playing instead of a quarterback
1: like Joe Burrow playing. Yeah. I mean, and and that's, that's just the big thing I have with Zach. I feel like Joe Burrow is, you know, provides a little bit of a concealer factor to, you know, legitimate scheme problems that Zach may have, you know, you know, you have Joe Burrow in there. It, it kind of goes away because of how good and talented he is. And then just the one thing I, I, I just, I want to be cautious of i'm like i'm not saying fire zach after this year um, he's not going to he's stuff def- they're not going to and also like it's one bad year and uh you know it's you know it's a bad season you know you came off two really good years um so you're not you're not firing him um but i do want to be wary about getting into that marvin level of complacency If we're a few years down the line or another season down the line and we're, you know, left with some form of disappointment and because I wouldn't say 22 and 21 were disappointments by any means. But if you're if you're having another disappointing year in 2024, are you looking at potentially moving on from?
0: I mean, those are questions we can have over the next couple of years, but I think it's interesting because, you know, you mentioned 2021. If I would have told you the day that the Cincinnati Bengals drafted Jamar Chase, that they would be playing for the Super Bowl nine months later, I think you would have called me crazy. And that's, I think, the point that it uh, is the best way to do it. Let's talk Jags. Uh, On Monday Night Football, the Cincinnati Bengals take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Good old Joe Buck and Troy Aikman going to be on the call. Uh, it's a white Bengal game. The White Helmets come back out. Bengals haven't lost with the White Helmets. Maybe it'll continue some of that luck there, but then they hadn't lost in their orange and black combination in the new with the New Jerseys either, so maybe they're just going to keep breaking those trends there. Um, let's start with this, Mick. I've got the big question for you. I don't know if you're ready for this because I didn't tell you. So there is going to be a Manning cast on Monday. Typically, mm-hmm. you know, with Peyton and Eli. Typically, they like to get somebody who is connected with the team somehow, whether it's a fan, a former player, or so on, of each of the two teams that are playing. Make your prediction. Who will be the Bengals representative Representative on the Manning cast? Because if they win, I'll probably go back and watch it. If they lose, I don't. I think there's an obvious number one candidate, but I don't know that he's guaranteed to do it.
1: What are, you, are you thinking Chad?
0: Chad's probably the most obvious one.
1: I feel like Chad shows a loyalty to Shannon, though. And it may, it, it, I don't know. Shannon's good. So I don't know if you'd be the ESPN guy. Uh, maybe Carson. You think Carson might there's be. There's no way in, in
0: HE double hockey stick that they're going to put. Carson Palmer is the Bengals representative. My goodness, I will. I I'm will try to think of colleagues. I will drive of, to Denver of, and smack Carson, and smack Peyton Manning if he puts Carson Palmer as the Bengals representative during the game.
1: You got to think of like colleagues of these guys too. Like I'm thinking of guys that played in the NFL around the same times as Peyton and Peyton and uh, Eli that are you know not really you know they're, they're retired and they were like. Well-known Bengal names. I mean, who else? I can't even really think of. I don't know. I, and really, we don't, maybe, we don't need to just might be on there. Might be DJ a just made point. a media appearances. I mean, that'd be all he right. Has.
0: I think he does some Fox work, though, so I don't know if that would cause some, some oh, issues. Conflict but regardless, is there. Uh, it doesn't matter. You're official for for Monday night's game. Did you want to guess, or do you just want to know who it is? Just tell me who it is. Scott Novak will be the Bengals official on on Monday evening. Do you know who Scott Novak is?
1: Uh, he's a referee in the NFL. Look at you go!
0: Hot takes galore. Bengals one in three in games Scott Novak has done. The one win is the 2020 win against the Titans, which was a good win. If if you remember back, that was kind of that first moment, like I was talking about, that you really saw Burrow break out, and you're thinking, okay, yes, we've that got that coming. game.
1: That is the game where I learned to never bet against the Bengals. Uh, you know when you're actually betting money. (laughs)
0: Uh, losses at the Ravens last year versus the Browns in 2021 and versus the Ravens in 2019. Those are the stats there for Scott Novak one and three, the injury report will not be released until tomorrow. So we don't really have anything to actually bring you when it comes to that Uh, for the Bengals. I know that Zach Taylor spoke earlier this week, Logan Wilson suffered an ankle injury injury on Sunday against the Steelers. I know Zach Taylor pretty much said he's a little optimistic that he could play, but that's still kind of up in the air. Uh, CTB and T Higgins he pretty much said both could return this week, but I think you're going to learn tomorrow. If either one of them are limited, I think you'll see them play. If neither one practices, you're not seeing them play on Monday. Mm -hmm. That's at least my philosophy when it comes to this. Um, Into the game specifically, Bengals offense against the Jags defense. Uh, Here's a couple of stats for you, Mick. The Jaguars, and 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 for those watching, you know that you might say that this is not a great way to uh, talk about a defense and how good they are. But I actually think it's kind of an underrated stat to look at how talented a defense is. Jaguars give up top five in fantasy points. To quarterbacks and wide receivers (laughs) which you you chuckle but when you think about it it's not an awful way to 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 grade how a defense has been playing not awful uh it means that you're giving up yards and touchdowns
1: you know what this kind of tells me though is that the jaguars offense is is fairly decent and teams have to you know and they get up heavy on teams so the opposing team is just passing the ball and trying to get back into the game the majority because they of the
0: time. are the third fewest in the nfl when it comes to running back fantasy points yep. they're good against the run pass rush not I, not I mean josh allen is a great pass rusher go cats uh but eighth fewest sacks fifth worst sack percentage in the nfl that has to at least make you feel good if you're wearing or, or i guess you're not wearing orange and black on monday if you're wearing white and black on Monday, that to me is what stands out the most about the Bengals' offense going up against this Jaguars' defense. That is a lot of young talent.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I I, I definitely agree with the pass rush. Um, I don't they definitely have not graded very well. I think they're bottom quarter of the league in terms of PFF grading, um, and they just it seems like they're kind of lacking. Unless if it's Josh Allen. Um, now, th- I think their coverage is pretty decent. They've got a pretty uh, pretty good uh, uh, cover duo linebacker in Foyer, Luacone, and Devin Lloyd. Both have looked pretty good in that area. Darius Williams is having the best year of his career at corner. Um, I thought you just said Darius Phillips for a reason, and I had bad flashbacks. No, Darius It's OUS at the end. Mm-hmm. Williams. Um, I think he was from Denver, if I remember correctly. But, anyways. Yes. I think you're right. He's having a pretty good year uh, as as the, as their starting corner. Uh, Rayshon Jenkins has been pretty decent in safety as long as as well as Andre Cisco. So I think their coverage is is decent. But yeah, I mean the offensive line for the Bengals has been pretty bad this season. So it's kind of nice to know that they're not going to have to deal with the as ferocious of a of a pass rush this week as they've had in the past two weeks. So.
0: Looking at the Bengals defense against the Jaguars offense, uh, I mean, you've got Trevor Lawrence, one of the best young quarterbacks. You've got Etienne, uh, you who's having a really good season for for the Jaguars. Ridley uh, is this this and but to me, the guy that might scare me the most because the Bengals can't guard tight ends
1: is Evan Ingram. Yeah, because I don't know who guards him, who covers um, Evan Ingram. Hey, and this is where we've kind of – did we have Trey Flowers last year? Or we did. The,
0: Trey Flowers, yes, and they let is him go. He's now with the
1: Falcons. He's with the Falcons now. Great. We're missing our tight end specialist. I don't know – who's been the, the tight end specialist this year? If it's been Mike Hilton, that might be why. Uh, Dax Hill, I think you've seen him drop Dax. down and
0: cover some tight ends.
1: hmm Yeah, okay. Um
0: I guess the question I ask you, Mick, is can they slow down that offense?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh are we talking about in terms of yardage or points? however you want to take that? I think they'll give up a ton of yardage, but I think they uh they'll do what they always do, Ben, but don't break. they'll uh I don't see Jaguars like just I don't see the Jaguars just uh running up the scoreboard in this game, I guess, especially you've got Hubbard back. Hendrickson's kind of still on the mend a little bit. Hopefully those two get closer back to 100% health. You know, those are two big things. Um yeah, and and I think their offensive line isn't I don't think the Jaguars offensive line is that great, especially up the Miller with, uh, up the middle with your uh Kentucky alum at center Luke Fortner it hasn't been that great. So I think DJ could have a really good game as well. Um I don't know. I think it's going to be a closer game, and I think they definitely covered the spread uh, of eight points. Looking at special teams,
0: you ready for special team stat, Mick?
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: Bengals are one of the worst teams in the NFL in opposing field goal percentage, which again means absolutely nothing. Here's this stat though, blows my mind. Opposing teams this year are 22 of 23 on field goals and 22 of 23 on extra points against the Bengals. They've only missed two kicks. That's
1: 44 of 46 on kicks against the Bengals this year. I mean, if you kind of notice though, like they're when they're kicking field goals, this is where the Bamba Dull break really hurts is that they're not breaking, they're not, they're, 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 they're not breaking until the other team reaches like the 15 20 yard line and those are chip shots in the yeah, NFL. And, and I'm not disagreeing. I more just found that. Is there is there an I'm average just... distance to kick stat there? Do you do you, you know not there, that I know? not that I have. Not that okay. I have in my prep work.
0: I, I don't I didn't it if it was there, it didn't process in my mind because I feel like mm-hmm. I would have written that down. So I'm sure yeah. it's something that could be found. I mean, obviously, you could just go look at the game books and see the 23 field goals and Let's put them. Do in the that averages way. yourself. Yeah, exactly. But I uh, ain't nobody got time for that right now. Um, the game itself, as we mentioned, it's on ESPN. Buck and Aikman, White Bengal. Um, overall, though, is there anything about the Jaguars you think needs to be mentioned before you
1: jump into your keys? Um, no. Uh, I think I'm just ready to jump into the keys here. Um, Your keys to victory. Keys to victory. Offense. Uh, the Jaguars don't have the greatest run defense in the world, and the Bengals are trotting out Jake Browning. And no no, no, uh, no disrespect on Jake Browning here. He's coming in. He's doing his job. He's playing. But, uh, you know, if you're going up against a run D that's not that great, uh, maybe run the ball a little more. And Mixon needs to actually um, have – uh, a good game where he has where he has good vision. Where we've we've said in the past that he either has really good vision and he's hitting holes uh, at a good consistent basis, or he's just literal trash and he's just <laughs> running straight into defenders. Tell us so how you we need a good game for Mixon here, and uh, given that we had a really bad game, he had a really bad game against the Steelers. I'm liking his odds here. Uh, defense. Uh, so it's going to sound like a broken record again, but pass rush, the Jaguars offensive line, isn't that great? Um, you know, you've got one pretty good tackle in, uh, is that Cameron Irving or is that a different name I'm looking for Cameron, uh,
0: Robinson, isn't it?
1: Cam Robinson. That's his name. Uh, yeah. Cam Robinson. It's uh so it's funny. So Cam Robinson and Anton Harrison are their starting tackles. Cam uh, Robinson is really good in pass blocking, but awful against the or against uh, in in run defense. And then it's the exact opposite, I think, for Anton Harrison. So
0: everyone's favorite mock draft offensive lineman, Anton Harrison. That's what you mean for the Bengals. Remember, he was the guy that always came up as like the second round pick in everybody's mock draft on PF. You know, because when you do the PFF, it's like the same five players, and people just always see, ooh, offensive lineman, I'll take him. Are we talking say second round or first round? I it, well, he kind of started off first in the first one. and then dropped down into the first. I think he ended up being a first round pick, but I think hey, it was, it was before the he,
1: Bengals even got there. Yeah, I mean, but I'm before, I'm even, talking
0: about the PFF. How everyone would do the PFF mock drafts, mm-hmm. and he would be somebody that would be available in the first two rounds, and you would just see him up on the list every single time. But that's this just whenever why, I think of the why Harrison. when
1: you mock draft people, do not just pick the Bengals and mock draft. Because the simulation aspect of that is uh, nonsensical, I think. Now see, I what I
0: love to do is I love to turn it up, turn up the randomness all the way. I and mean, there was a <laughs> draft there was draft a couple of years ago where I picked I think I got Jamar Chase, I got uh, Penay um, I got another really good quarterback. Uh, it was just funny. I was like, I think I picked Panay Sewell in the sixth round. It's like, well, my goodness, if he's still here in the sixth, I guess I gotta take him.
1: Do you think that's what Bill Belichick does when he actually drafts? He just turns up the randomness on his own uh, draft pick and then Cole he ends up with Cole Strange from Chattanooga <laughs> or uh Kyle Duggar, who has ac- actually been pretty decent. Um, uh, he loves the small school guys. <laughs> Anyways, not to get off topic here. Anton How about Harrison. We make- yeah, let's oh, okay. know, make
0: some predictions here. Let's let's make some picks here for the Bengals and Jaguars on Monday night football on uh they're in good old Jacksonville and a lot of fans are making the trip down and it was something that we had talked about Mick and it didn't end up working out and uh
1: I'm glad it did I, not because uh this would have been not a we not would have bad. had a good time. Yes. But it would have been a little bit sad. There's no
0: question about that. Mick, mm-hmm. uh who you got? Bengals, Jags.
1: I'm going to go Jaguars 21, Bengals 17.
0: I'm, I guess, well, not really similar. Uh, Jaguars 23, Bengals 10 Okay, is my pick. So I'm, I'm picking the Jags to cover those eight points. I don't think I would bet it, but I do think that the Jags will cover and the Bengals will lose yet another road, primetime game, bringing it to whatever it is now. Uh, it's a lot. <laughs> Is it 16? I think this will be the 16th straight road primetime game that the Bengals have lost in the regular season, or some wild number like that.
1: It'll ha- it'll get broken eventually. You know, we so. had to, shoot, we had to wait 30 plus years for a playoff win. So I
0: it hope it's not 30 years. Until...
1: But yeah, it shouldn't be as I hard hope. yet. But you know, it'll happen eventually. We'll get it. It'll be all right.
0: We'll be back a week from today, breaking down this Jaguars game and also previewing Colts next Sunday. Uh, well, that'll be a one o'clock game. So we'll be back every Wednesday at eight p.m. Eastern, seven p.m. Central. Make sure you follow us on all of our social media channels. Uh, you can also follow us on our podcast platform on your favorite podcast platform, Spotify, on uh, Apple, on all of the different ones that we have. I know, Mick. It was they released our you know your Spotify unwrapped or whatever they call it i'm sure if you've been on social media you've seen it today because everybody thinks that people care about what it is uh i did find it funny that jungle juice was number five
1: on my listen to podcasts on what was your number one in artist and podcasts so let's, uh, let's uh, i don't
0: track. remember artists but podcasts it was here that podcast growling shout out, shout out to uh, paul daner okay uh, they were my that was number, my number one i listened to like six thousand minutes i was in like the top one percent of that podcast oh, meaning that i listened to every single episode of that and then my number two was the other podcast that I do so oh there you go because I Come like on. to sound check and air check myself <laughs> but uh,
1: what I, 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 I find myself listening to the jungle juice podcast sometimes to just see like man did I sound like an idiot or, or I didn't it's it's more of the of the former yeah, but uh it's
0: called called air checking yeah
1: there you uh, go. PFF NFL podcast number one for me, and then Denzel Curry number one artist. If you know who that is, I do not. So that doesn't it's pretty that good. Doesn't it's bring a good any, rapper. It doesn't bring anything to me.
0: All right, that'll wrap us up though for this week. We'll be back a week from today as the Bengals hopefully will win against the Jags, and we can. Uh, I in fact, Mick, I think the last time we both picked them to lose, they won. So I think it was the 49ers. So may, maybe that's just what we need to do. And uh, they'll be able to pick up the win on Sunday, or Monday against the, uh, against the, the Jaguars. So uh, until next time, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And we'll see you next time. Uh, we'll drop it off with a Hoo day. day. Thanks for watching.